The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what is going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today, we have episode 120. At the end of the episode, we will have a short story from 25 Perfect Days plus five more. Uh, we only have, this one is going to be one last one last bedtime story, uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, one of the ones that was first created well before the idea for the book even came up. Had to change it a lot, but I really dig it. Uh, deals with uh, adopting a child. So I'll just stick around for that one. I think it's kind of a long one, but like I said, I enjoy it. Hopefully you guys will as well. After that, we only have seven stories left in 25 Perfect Days. Uh, eight, if I include. I think I'm going to let you guys hear 31 others. I haven't played that audiobook before. It's one single short story. It's in first person. It's the last thing I wrote in the 25 Perfect Days world. Uh, and I'll show that at the very end. I was going to do it chronologically, but it'll just be a nice little surprise for the end. Um, things are awesome. I am back at home, which is wonderful. Uh, I really, I had some great stuff that happened on the East Coast. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've got to hear some of the cool conversations I had. Matt Santos, uh, Evan Scott with Johnny Campbell. It was great reuniting with those guys. Uh, spent a lot of time with my good friend Carl Domini and his son. We did some awesome photos. Actually, that's something I could talk about, too. The photo session I did with him where uh, I got to shout. I never shout. I never raise my voice. I'm always very, uh, even unconscious, I don't yell. I don't scream. Uh, in an argument, I might raise my voice, but I never shout. Uh, one of the cool things Carl had me do while we are doing our photo shoot was he asked, because I was, I was pretty high, I couldn't stop laughing, couldn't be serious, couldn't get my mean face on, and he asked me if I could shout. And it was just, I didn't know whether or not I even could. It was late at night. It was quiet. Uh, I felt like I couldn't talk more, like louder than this. I couldn't scream. Uh, but what came out of me was pretty incredible. I just let everything out. It was a huge shout. He got some cool photos out of it. It also, man, I felt like a huge physical release in the back of my back and the back of my neck. Uh, just like I would get with like a chiropractic release or something like that, where I could actually feel stuff letting go. So that felt awesome. Uh, there were two shouts. So just an overall great experience being able to hang out with him, um, helping him get on track business-wise, um, giving him advice. That was great for me because it's all the stuff that I need to do for myself. And so it's been awesome. Uh, another thing that happened on the trip, uh, locked in two more Try Not to Die authors, uh, one in Canada. Hers is going to be awesome. Caitlin's going to have an incredible book. Uh and another guy, Nico, in Germany. Uh, his trying not to die in the Rhine. That's going to be awesome as well. So excited about that. Excited about branching out. Uh, really putting a lot of focus on the Try Not to Die franchise. Um, playing around with the idea of a board game. Trying to figure out that if it's worth it for me to pursue right now. I have so much shit going on that I don't want to distract me. Uh, it was nice spending a couple of days thinking about it, figuring out how I'd want the game to play. I think I want to hold off a little bit, build some more demand for the entire series, build up the series a little bit more. Um, about to put out a box set with the first three books. Uh, I just had the pleasure of reading through all of uh, Seichirichi's Trying to Die in the Wizard's Tower. That one is awesome. Seichirichi did an incredible job. I've already gone through all my notes. I'm still waiting for some notes from the editor. We'll input those. 
Uh, actually, we'll be talking with Sage today about when we want to release that, how we want to release it, if we're going to do a contest, if we're going to do beta readers and whatnot. So kind of figure out the best strategy for that. So that's going to be book four. Um, I've been working on Death Fest. Death Fest, we started so long ago, uh, Glenn Heaton and I, uh, but different things have come up. I've obviously been distracted. He's had life come up. Uh, so, but we're back on that. Uh, just went through the early death scenes, fixed those up. Um, he's working on the main path. I'm going to go jump on some death scenes, um, just give it my take. So working on that. And then also, once I got home, I began working on uh, Trying to Die in the Wild West with John Palisano. Uh, he gave me that draft in September. So he wrote a whole story, real big, thorough um, rough draft of it. And it's only been, it's just been sitting there. I had read through it once, but there were so many other things going on. I just couldn't get to it. So, and I wanted to give space between his books. Um, you know, he was book three with the pandemic. Now Wild West will probably be book six. Um, not sure who's going to hit book five. Uh, probably not going to be Death Fest. It will probably be either super high if Steve Montgomery gives me. <laughs> we're so close to being finished with Steve's book. But then again, life got in the way. Uh, he's incredibly busy, hard to get to it. But when he's done, the, the, the book, we've already put so much work, that book's nearly done too. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to be coming. I'm really excited about that series. But don't want to put all my attention there because I still need to spend a lot of time sending off uh, emails about uh, the traumatic brain injury book. So that book is out now. Well, the pre-order is available on everywhere except for Amazon. Uh, it'll be available for pre-order from Amazon probably like in October. Uh, so TBI or CT, what the hell is wrong with me? That's been going out to early readers. Uh, so I just sent out some early readers. If you wanna have a chance to look at that to help me make it better before we publish it, um, I can send you an advanced copy. I'm not sending out print copies of that, only to uh, magazines and newspapers, uh, just because there are some issues going on with my publisher. So right now I'm just getting the advanced copies through Amazon. But you can read it online. Just got back my first blurb from someone I really respect, an author I respect. I was just glad that he read it. And then for him to come and give me such a awesome blurb uh, is incredible. I will share that maybe next week. Uh, but it feels really good. And so that only strengthens my letters that I'm sending out to all these magazines, to all these newspapers, asking them to review the book, to consider um, writing an article on the whole process or on me or whatever else. I think I generally would have a hard time with that. I always sell myself short and make, eh, there's all these reasons why, you know, I'm not worthy of this or whatever else. But reading through my pitch, I was like, yeah, that is a good pitch. Like if I was hit with that pitch, I would want to talk to the person. So that's what I'm hoping these editors are going to say. That's how they will react. I think it's a very important subject. Um, you know, I really believe in this. I really believe in the book. I believe it could help some people. And honestly, if I could help just a couple of people, then that was awesome. It was worth all of my time. And more than anything, I got what I needed from this. Like I got a lot of healing from it. It was rough. Um, not only the healing from the actual coping mechanisms that I write about and experiment with, uh, and the different therapies, but the actual writing of it and having to look at myself and look at my issues and look at my friends and look at their issues and, and deal with all that. 
it has just put me in a whole other place, man. I can just handle so much more stress now, uh, enjoy life. I'm so much happier. And so if I could increase someone else's happiness, if I could help them deal with some shit, even if it's just simply letting them know, hey, man, you're not different than anyone else. Don't feel like you're strange or whatever. A lot of people deal with this. Most people hide it. Most people aren't even aware of it. Lots of my stuff I wasn't even aware of. I thought I was normal. So I am looking forward to shutting that shit down and, and, and helping cha people change that perspective. So uh, that is what's going on there. Um, what else? What else? Uh, had a good talk with Mike Wilson about 10 Planet Whittier. Uh, we were going to help him open up a 10 Planet Whittier in, well, obviously in Whittier, uh, right before the pandemic hit. But the pandemic hit, screwed everything up. Um, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen if people could train, uh, if we should leave something, you know, just scary, scary times. Now he's ready. You know, we were thinking about it and how awesome that would be. So yeah, we want to do what we can to help him get that open. Um, you know, all jujitsu is awesome, but we really, <laughs> we really enjoy 10 planet, uh, jujitsu. I'd like to learn from him. Also, you know, I enjoy training at uh, Gracie Baja up the street with, uh, Phil Marino and those guys. Uh, they mainly do no gi. I mean, they mainly do gi, so that's one of the issues. And all my family would rather train no gi, but um, you know, whatever. There's there's plenty of jujitsu for everyone, and the more gyms that are available, uh, the better it is. Um, and last thing, uh, what else was I gonna say? Mm, there was something else. wasn't too important. Kind of excited on Monday. I get to talk to JJ French, the guitarist from Twisted Sister. Uh, that'll be really cool. I was a guest on the Rockdown podcast. Um, I don't believe that episode has been put out yet, but that was maybe about a month ago. Really hit it off with the host. He's a super awesome guy. He mentioned that, um, and he had me on as a fan of the show. Usually he talks with musicians. And so he just, I was a fan of heavy metal. And so he brought me on just to talk about that and what it meant to me. Uh, really hit it off. And then he said, you know, when he has guests on that, he knows that I'm really into like machine head and anthrax. He mentioned, um, he would contact me. So anyhow, he knew how much I enjoyed twisted sister, how big they were for me, especially when I was a young, angry, what shit, 12 year old, maybe even younger. Um, and so he's having JJ French on. So I get to go on Monday and ask some questions too. So I thought that was super cool of him. Um, so that's what I got going on, uh, this weekend. Mm. Trying to another thing that Carl really helped point out to me when I was on my trip was um, learning to relax. I have a very hard time with that. I want to get shit done, so it's very hard for me to sometimes set down work um, or even just stop thinking about it in my head and engage with whoever I'm at, you know, and, and really get into it. So instead of me sitting there and thinking or talking about work or whatever else, it's really hard for me to sit and just watch a movie and enjoy that or whatever else. Um, so I've been working on that. I've been doing a better job. And I, cause I do think that's important. I think it's important to have that balance. I love, you know, and I'm incredibly grateful for my drive because I want to get shit done. I'm going to get shit done. If I don't have that drive, then nothing will get done. You know, especially when you're your own boss, it's like you have to have that. But at the same time, I know how important my family is. I know how important it is to just take care of myself. Uh, that's one thing that's been really good since I got home. Like the last three days, uh, every morning, been walking five miles with my buddy. That's awesome because we're getting physical activity, burning calories, getting fresh air. But we're also talking the whole time. We're having like deep 
conversations about you know relationships and all this other stuff. So that's all awesome. Been playing guitar every day. Been really enjoying that. So not having the guitar here, you know, being away from it for like three to four weeks, uh, didn't play it at all. Got back as rough, but I wanted to play it every day. So I've been picking that up. I'm enjoying that. I'm doing the German a little bit more because I'm getting excited about going to Germany for the October uh, Frank the book fair in Frankfurt. Hoping that doesn't get canceled because of COVID. I really do want to go. Uh, I'm planning on going. I just got the German version of the book back, uh, the TBI book. And uh, so I'm going to put that out for pre-orders. Um, yeah, I've just got a lot of stuff going on, but I'm doing a good job. I, man, I write down everything. I got all my notes. I can't really see that. But I have all my notes. Um, I check it off. I was like, okay, here's what I could get done today. Like today was going a walk. Well, first it was write down my three things I'm grateful for. That was super quick. Sent off a couple of emails. Go on a walk. Uh, got home, take care of the kids and fed them. Uh, then it was uh, do this podcast. Next is going to be do a newsletter real quick. That's what I have to do on Friday. That's what it is. And then it's going to be playing with my kids a bit. Then it'll be doing some sauna. I've been doing the sauna like crazy and stretching because I've been so tight. So I need to take care of myself. Um, and so I love having my list of things that I could just check off. But yep, I did that. That was good for me. That was good for me. Last thing, totally forgot. Also started working with a hypnotist. Um, that was interesting. It's a little strange letting yourself be vulnerable like that. I did it online. Uh, thing I liked about it was I had it on Zoom so I could record it. So that way if she was putting some messed up messages into my head or making me do crazy shit, I would be aware of it later. I could watch it. But she didn't do that. I uh, didn't even have to go back and watch because I knew the whole thing was awesome. It felt great. Um, we we're working on some long-term commitment stuff. Uh, after the session, I realized, uh, and it's been effective. Like the messages I've been listening, I've, I've, she also had me listening to self-help, self-talk um, things that have been putting these messages in my brain. So it's just trying to rewire old negative thoughts and replacing them with these new positive ones. So the next two sessions we're going to do are just going to be based off of like uh, based on self-esteem issues. I've always struggled with that. They're still there. I still call myself a dumb shit. I still think of myself in a negative light way too often. I think that's affecting my confidence. I think it's affecting my confidence with and slowing me down with learning guitar and with learning German. Um, so I do believe the hypnosis is going to help. I am excited about doing it. That's with this uh, Alexandra Kulner. Uh, she's been great. She was referred by a friend. Uh, actually have two of my buddies are going to start with her next week. And so I think I will have her. I will definitely want to talk to her on the podcast about this. I think it makes a lot of sense with all the brain stuff. But just in general, if if hypnosis works way more, if it's more effective than therapy, which I believe it is, talk therapy, then why not try it? Especially if you don't want to go to a therapist. If you're if you kind of know what your issues are, but and maybe you've tried therapy a bunch and you are tired of saying the same stuff over and over and over, then maybe it's worth a shot. But anyhow, I will have her on soon. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a lot of other uh, podcast guests scheduled. I don't want to just talk to myself, although I do find myself pretty fucking interesting. Nah, sometimes. Anyhow, I will have her on. I think that's about it. Why don't we get going? I want to leave you guys with this short story. It's a little bit of a long one, but I think you guys will enjoy it. I hope you have an incredible week, and I will talk to you next week. Later. One last bedtime story. 
February 1st, 2063. The local news flashed across the holographic platform. Tammy Longley snuggled in her husband's arms. John told her to keep flipping, but her finger didn't move, eyes glued to the screen. John tried to grab it. She stuffed the remote between the couch cushions under her leg. Come on, the game's starting, John said, all tired and whiny. Tammy was already welling up at the child of the day, a button-nosed boy named Philip. Oh, he's so cute. Philip's height, weight, IQ, and health index scores scrolled across the bottom of the image. He had two weeks until he turned five. The news anchor said that as an older child, his chances of ever finding a home dropped drastically each day. John scooched back and sighed. Why do you watch stuff that makes you feel like shit? Tammy wiped at her eyes. Because that boy doesn't have anyone. I know, and it's awful, but there's nothing we can do. Now, please just turn the channel. Tammy kept facing the image, but she wasn't watching. Can we talk about it? I can't do this tonight, Tammy. But we can help. Before John could even open his mouth, Tammy cut him off. We have the money, and you teach from home. We always eat in, hardly spend a dime. We'll be here to raise him. Or her. Tammy put on her little girl face, the same one she'd used to get John to agree to the dog. But don't you like our life just the way it is? Bella might get jealous. She's not going to get jealous, and I love our life, which is why I want to share it. You know we'd be good parents. Of course you'd be a good mom, but me? She touched his cheek. You'd be the best. You don't know that. Come on, I'm lazy, and you said it yourself. I'm a hermit. Which means you'll be here to play. You two can watch sports, build forts, and I'll never watch the news again. Never. Never. Tammy put her hand over her heart. Swear. John shook his head. Tammy, I'm sorry. I'm not doing this. I know you want it, but I don't. Tammy bit the inside of her cheek. Why? Because I'd screw him up, okay? All the shit I live with in my head, I can't put that on a little kid. I can't... John looked over at the wall. Tammy pulled his chin toward her. You can't keep doing this to yourself. You're a good man, and you've got a good heart. But you're killing us. John didn't say a word, his cheeks burning the same shade as his hair. What if your parents hadn't adopted you, Tammy said. I never would have met you. Maybe that would have been better. Tammy stopped breathing for a few seconds, just stared at him. Is... is that what you think? John clenched his teeth, shook his head a little. Of course not. I just want us to have a life, John. And I don't. We have to stop living full of fear and worrying what might happen. We can do this and make a difference. What good's our life if we don't? John blew out a deep breath, closed his eyes. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Tammy threw her arms around him. Oh, I love you, love you, love you. She sat back with the biggest smile. Couldn't remember the last time she'd been this happy.
but we're going to be smart. We're not going to rush. No rush. And if we don't find the perfect kid, we'll, we'll keep looking. You promise. Promise, promise, promise. They pulled into the orphanage's giant parking lot. Tammy pointed out there was only one other car. John didn't say anything, just pulled into a stall. The trip had taken two hours, even though the Reduction Act was supposed to decongest the highways. The DMV denial rate had even been bumped up to 15%. Still, nothing changed. It was, in fact, worse. John stared up at the four-story concrete building, the sun shining off the narrow window slits cut into the domed top. Tammy asked if John was okay, and he said he was fine. John shook off whatever was bothering him. This is going to be sad. You sure you're up for it? Tammy took his hand and led him to the steel doors. His limp was more pronounced than usual. They entered the drab, gray building and headed to the bulletproof window. The young blonde sitting behind the desk jumped when John said hello. She gave an embarrassed smile and set down her magazine. I'm so sorry. I didn't hear you guys come in. Can I help you? Tammy said, Well, we're thinking about adopting. Oh, that's so great, the receptionist said. Let me call Troy so he can show you the kids. I thought there was an interview first, Tammy said. Interview? The receptionist laughed. She clicked her headset and told Troy to report to the front for visitors. John looked around the lobby. Don't we... Uh, have to fill out paperwork before we do anything else? The receptionist whispered into her headset. No, I'm not joking. Now get down here. Tammy shot John a look. He'd promised not to intentionally stall. Oh, the kids are going to just love this, the receptionist said. You should see how excited they get. Even the little ones seem to realize this might be their chance. It's so cute. She pulled out a single sheet of paper. You do have to sign one of these. It releases us from any liability and transfers ownership of the child. John looked it over. You mean right now? If you like, sure. You just pick out the one you want, and I can have you out of here in five minutes. There was so much white space on the page, John said. I thought there would be more to it. Well, a social worker will make a scheduled visit once a year to check on everything. If the child's gone with no explanation, there could be a fine. Fine, Tammy said. Yeah, unfortunately, some people adopt just to get their hands on fresh organs. It's so gross. Tammy gasped. John didn't look surprised. Troy Edgefield staggered into the room his gut threatening the structural integrity of his uniform buttons. His white shirt had food stains. His face showed a few days of beard. The only thing that looked professional was the sleek particle gun holstered on his thigh. This is Troy, the receptionist said, and these are the... Tammy Longley, and this is my husband, John. John stepped toward Troy, but didn't shake his hand. He stood straighter than Tammy had seen in a long time. You look familiar, Troy said, his speech slurred. I know you? John's casualness sounded forced. Doubt it. Just here to browse. 
Troy turned around, nearly fell, and led them down the long hallway. While they waited for the security system to read Troy's retina, Tammy glanced at John, wondered why he was acting so strange. Before she could get his attention, the door opened and they walked into a huge circular room that reminded Tammy of some gothic circus tent. They followed Troy to the workstation located in the middle of the rotunda. It was so quiet. Tammy looked all around the room, shocked to see so many little faces staring back at her from the other side of glass walls. She spun slowly, mesmerized by the hundred tiny eyes filled with hope, anxiety, defeat, and despair. This wasn't a circus. It looks like a prison, she said. Troy took his seat at the computer console. He didn't even look up when he said, Used to be. Tammy covered her mouth and turned to John, finally realized why he was being so peculiar. She whispered, This isn't where Peter... John nodded toward the fourth floor. Cell 4025. Troy's fingers hesitated for a split second before he went back to typing. Tammy turned to John. I'm sorry, I didn't know. Do you want to leave? John shook his head. Tammy apologized again and held his hand. When she noticed Troy looking at them from the corner of his eye, she smiled and noticed there weren't any kids outside their cells. Are their doors locked? Troy kept clacking away. During visits of protocol, but if you want to see one you like, I can let you in. Oh, and I'm supposed to ask. You got any requirements? Oh, um, Tammy sputtered. Race is the main one, Troy let out a little burp. Predetermined height's a big one, so is IQ. Not too many people want to adopt a retard. I can plug in whatever you want, though, and narrow it down. We've weeded out most of the ones with anything terminal. Weeded out, huh? John said. Tammy didn't like the way John was acting. Can we look around? Yeah, browse away. Troy scratched at his fat neck waddle, a tan line on his ring finger. Tammy asked John where he wanted to start, but John just kept staring at the back of Troy's head. Troy pointed. Infants and one-year-olds are down here. Two-year-olds got the second floor. Three's on the third and four's on top. Tammy pulled John toward a cell of babies in their cribs, their cries silent behind the glass. A video screen listed off names and statistics. Illnesses highlighted in red. The babies were adorable and cute, misshapen and ugly. Some were smiling, others were sleeping, the rest screaming. I don't know if I want a baby, Tammy said. I kind of want to talk to them. Did you say them? You know what I meant. She turned to Troy. Can we go upstairs? Yeah, I'll buzz you. A gate opened. A metal staircase zigzagged all the way up to the fourth floor. As they made their way up, Troy snuck a drink from a little flask. This place is just so awful, Tammy said. How can they lock them up like this? On the second floor, little tykes wobbled around in their cells. Some played with blocks covered in bite marks. One kid just kept spinning until he fell against the wall. After a few minutes, Tammy and John decided a two-year-old would also be too much work. They went up the next flight of stairs. 
Most of the three-year-olds were standing in front of the glass. They smiled, trying to look so cute. Tammy cooed, and John rolled his eyes. A little girl stood behind her glass and posed like a ham, her chin on her folded hands. Bottom lip stuck out in a little pout. Tammy covered her mouth. These kids know how to work it. John looked down into the pit at Troy staring blankly at the wall. What do you think? Tammy asked. Do you see anyone you want to meet? I don't know. John looked down the long row of cells. What about that kid? He pointed at a little boy, sniffing his armpit. As they started walking, Tammy kept looking up at the fourth floor. Tammy, at four, they've been... They've just been here a long time. But is there really a difference? I don't know. Tammy batted her eyes. If you want to look at four, let's look at four. Tammy dragged him back toward the stairs, her heels clanging against the metal. She hurried to the first monitor, read the boy's name. Brian. Four years, three months. A beaming smile pasted on his face, his arms awkwardly hanging at his sides, like he didn't know what to do with them. Then there was Gabriel, sitting on the toilet with his pants around his ankles, his face flushed a bright red. They quickly moved to Tommy, juggling two orange balls. When one fell, he started punching the wall. An angry little man. They hardly stopped at Victor, the largest kid in the place, rocking on the edge of his bed, screaming so hard his face was the color of Tammy's purse. Tammy didn't even realize John had moved ahead two cells. He was staring at a blonde boy sitting on his bed, a book in his lap, a pair of broken eyeglasses on the floor, tears coursing down his cheeks. He's beautiful, Tammy said. Do you want to go in? John's voice cracked when he said, It's Peter's room. Tammy didn't know the whole story about John's cousin. He never wanted to talk about it. She looked down into the pit, but Troy was no longer at his monitor. You find one, a voice said. Tammy jerked back. She hadn't heard Troy come up, but there he was, standing right behind them. Yeah, can you open up 4025? Tammy said. Troy pressed his thumb against the scanner. Tammy read Matthew's stats. The kid had a high IQ, but his health index was low. But most importantly, tomorrow was his birthday. The door slid open. Tammy and John walked inside the room and knelt in front of the child. She picked up the glasses from the floor and asked, Is this your only pair? He nodded, eyes down. That looks like a really neat book. What's it about? Speaking barely over a whisper, he said, Billy gets lost at the amusement park and his mommy looks for him all over, but he joins this group of pirates who rescue her from this evil king. That sounds like a great story. Would you mind if I read it to you? Matthew mumbled okay and wiped the tears from his face. Tammy sat next to him. Well, Matthew, I'm Tammy, and this is my husband, John. Matthew said hello, then looked into Tammy's eyes. Do you like to read? Very much. Tammy scooted closer, and for the next five minutes she read the book. By the time she was finished, 
Matthew was cuddled against her side. Tammy closed the book and handed it to him. Did you like that story? It's my favorite. Can you read it one more time? She looked up at John and he said, Maybe later. Come on, John, she turned to Matthew. He does really good voices, especially pirates. Would you like to hear them? Matthew nodded with excitement. Tammy waved John over and he finally sat down and took the book. When he finished telling the story, putting extra flair on Captain Blackbone, John gave the book back to Matthew and told him this was now his favorite story, too. Matthew, do you mind if John and I go outside to talk for a minute? Can you read one more time? When we get back, we can. We'll only be a minute. Matthew threw his arm around her leg and squeezed. He whispered something about not wanting to go to sleep. Tammy sat, held him tightly. It's too early for bedtime. Don't worry. Matthew violently shook his head, nearly cracking into Tammy's jaw. John noticed a digital clock on the wall. It was ticking down. Two seconds. One second. An alarm blared on Troy's watch. I'm sorry, visiting time's over. You two have to leave. Matthew, remain seated. Tammy looked to John. He was standing a few feet from Troy. We're not going anywhere, John said. Troy shouted, Leave the room, now! Tammy asked why the clock hit zero. He doesn't turn five until tomorrow. I'm not going to ask you again, Troy said. His hand hovered over his particle pistol. John, the man who'd never been able to stand up to anyone, got in his face. We're not done with the visit. You have five seconds. John walked over, took Matthew's hand. Do you want to go home with us? Matthew nodded. Tammy saw Troy pull out his gun. What are you doing? We want him. Let us fill out the paperwork. I can't do that. Protocol. His gun aimed at Tammy's face. Just call the receptionist, Tammy said. John scooped up Matthew. They're not going to hurt you. Troy blocked the doorway. Put him down. We're taking him, John said. I'll sign whatever we have to, but he's not staying. He started to move past Troy, who put the gun to John's head. Put down the boy. You don't have to do this, John whispered. Yeah, I do. He pointed at the vent in the ceiling. Now they're either going to find one body or they're going to find three. I remember you, John said. My cousin was here. Tammy begged Troy to stop this. Slowly, John set Matthew down, told Tammy to take him. Then John turned so the barrel of the gun was flat against his forehead. A small white mist began to pour out. I have to close the door, Troy said. He reached his other hand toward a remote on his belt. Matthew was crying, his arms wrapped around Tammy's neck. They both coughed. It's burning, Matthew screamed. John stared at Troy. What happened here? Come on, these are just kids. Troy's finger tightened around the trigger. John closed his eyes, and Tammy held on to Matthew as she crouched on the floor, trying to stay away from the mist, her skin itching, then sizzling. On the first floor, there's a back door, Troy whispered. 
he slipped something hard in John's hand. John opened his eyes, saw Troy's ID card. Troy stepped to the side. John pulled Tammy, who was still holding Matthew. They hurried out. The door slid shut. Tammy turned back as Troy walked into the mist. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.